there are a lot of important priorities in life, aren't there? Think about the priority of maintaining friendships. That's very important. Caring for your family. That's important. Maintaining your health. Organizing finances. Pursuing a career. There's, there's lots of important priorities in life. But there is one important that is one priority that is far more important than all of those put together. That most important priority is being righteous before God. Being righteous before God. Which means having all your sins forgiven and being counted by God as righteous. That is by far, your highest priority for two reasons. One reason is because our eternal destiny, our eternal destiny depends upon being righteous before God. And think about this. Every one of us in this room, every human being, we are all going to be aware and conscious forever. Forever. So you can look ahead at your future. Look ahead a year. Look ahead 10 years, 100 years, a million years, 100 million years. Just started with eternity. You will be consciously aware forever. And the problem is that we've all sinned against God. And God is perfectly just. And so because of our sin, we face eternal punishment from Him. We do face eternal punishment from Him unless we are perfectly righteous before Him. Unless He declares us righteous before Him. If we can be counted as righteous by God, then instead of eternal punishment, we are going to have eternal, never-ending joy in knowing his love, his beauty, his majesty, his presence forever. And that's one reason why being righteous before God is the most important priority. Second reason. Our Greatest joy depends upon being righteous before God. Think about this. The greatest joy in life, by far, is the joy of knowing God, beholding our Creator in His beauty, in His majesty, in His magnificence, knowing Him, fellowshipping with Him, worshiping Him, trusting Him. Our greatest joy is in God. And we can only have this joy in God if we're on good terms with Him. If we're not on good terms with Him, then just like Akin prayed earlier, then we're going to be fearful of Him, dreading Him, shaking at the prospect of His wrath, and for good reason. But if we're on good terms with Him, then we can enjoy His love and His nearness. 
And the way to become on good terms with God is by being declared righteous by God, being righteous before God. That's the second reason. Being righteous is such an important priority. Our greatest joy depends upon being righteous before God. So so think about this. Our eternal destiny depends on being righteous before God. And our greatest joy in life depends upon being righteous before God. So, the burning question is, is it possible for us to be righteous before God? Is that possible? And if so, how? That's what Paul answers for us in Romans chapter 4. But now before we turn there, I I just want to make a comment about the book of, of Romans. You've probably noticed this is not an easy book to study, is it? Romans is weighty. Romans takes thoughts and efforts and prayer. It's not an easy book to study. We're all working on this, but it is not easy. And as I was pondering that this week, I thought about something that John Piper said. He said, raking leaves. I know we don't don't rake leaves here in Abu Dhabi, do we not? But maybe back in your home country, you used to rake leaves. Raking leaves is easy. It's easy. But all you get out of it is leaves. Digging holes. That can be hard. Digging holes, deep holes, that could be hard, but you can find diamonds. Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 12, our passage for this afternoon, is going to take some deep digging. But as I've dug this last week, and as we've been working on this in our home groups, we've discovered diamonds. And I want to share three, I'm going to call them 50-carat diamonds. That's, That's a big one, right? Three 50-carat diamonds in Romans chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. So to discover the first diamond, let's ask this question. What did Abraham, Abraham gain? What did Abraham gain? Now, who was Abraham? You might be wondering. Abraham lived 2,000 years before Christ. He was the biological father of the people of Israel, the Jewish people. Abraham was their forefather. Very important figure. Think about how often in the Old Testament God is called the God of who? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So Abraham has great importance in the Old Testament. And in these verses, Paul tells us what did Abraham gain from God. And he tells us how what Abraham gained, we can all gain. What did Abraham gain? Look again at verse, start with verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather according to the flesh? So there's the question. Paul says, what did Abraham gain? And in verse 2, Paul explains what Abraham would have gained if he would have tried to become righteous, if he would have tried to be justified by works, if he would have tried to merit Righteousness from God by his obedience, what would Abraham have gained? Look at verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, 
but not before God. So if Abraham had tried to earn righteousness by his obedience, then all that he would have gained at most would have been an opportunity to boast before other people. Look at all the good that I've done. But Paul says that before God, he would have had no boast. He would have received nothing from God if he had tried to be justified by his works. Now, why not? Why would he have nothing before God? And it's because, as Paul has been showing us in the previous weeks as we've been studying Romans, the way to be justified, the only way to be righteous before God, it's not by works. It's not by trying to merit righteousness by the worth of my works. That's not how to be justified before God. It's not works. It's faith. You can see that in verse 3. Paul says, For what does the Scripture say? Abraham believed. There's faith. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. So why would Abraham have gained nothing from God if he tried to earn his righteousness by works? The answer is in verses 4 and 5. Take some digging, verses 4 and 5 here, but let's read them and we'll talk about them. Verse 4, here's why Abraham would have gained nothing. Now, to the one who works... His wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. Let's just pause there. Sometimes Paul uses the word works to describe something good, humble obedience, obedience of faith, good works, not trying to earn, merit anything from God, just humbly obeying God, good works. That's how Paul uses the word works sometimes. At other times, Paul uses the word works to describe like what the Pharisees did, trying to earn and merit God's righteousness by my, the worth of my works. And that's proud, and that's arrogant, and that's presumptuous. It's sin. And that's how Paul's using the word works here. Read the verse, you'll see that. Now, to the one who works in this sense, trying to merit righteousness from God, his wages are not counted as a gift, and that literally is according to grace. There's no grace here from God, but as his due, something that he thinks God owes him. But, or and, I think that should be translated but, but to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So the reason it's wrong to try to be justified by works is because, as you see in verse 5, Abraham and all of us were ungodly. We've all been sinners. We've all, we are sinners. We've sinned against God. That's why it's wrong to try to merit or earn righteousness from God. It is proud and arrogant for any of us to think that our actions, our behavior, can merit or earn a standing of righteousness before God. We need to humble ourselves as sinful people and say, that's impossible. 
I, I thought about how Jesus talks to the Pharisees in the Gospels. The Pharisees were experts on trying to earn merit righteousness from God. All this outward behavior that they were trying to do, going to synagogue, giving money to the poor, saying prayers. And remember what Jesus said about them. Jesus was very direct. He said, you are like whitewashed tombs, shiny white with paints on the outside, but inside full of rotting flesh. Just outside, all that you guys have. He also calls them a cup that's cleaned on the outside. Looks beautifully clean on the outside, but inside that cup is full of wickedness and greed and lust and pride and presumption and arrogance. Clean on the outside, horribly filthy on the inside. So how could Pharisees, and Pharisees thought they were meriting God's righteousness by their obedience, but their hearts were not there. We all were ungodly. We have ungodly hearts, and trying to merit Righteousness from God is proud and presumptuous, and it is sin. It's sinful to try to earn or merit righteousness from God. And that's why the best that Abraham would have gained had he tried to merit righteousness from God would have been boasting in front of other people. But he could not have boasted before God because he was sinning against God to try to earn or merit righteousness from God. Notice that amazing line in verse 5. Abraham believed, believes in him who justifies the, the who? The ungodly. God justifies the ungodly. I mean, that's right there in the Bible. That is amazing. That's what Abraham believed. God, I'm ungodly. I know I'm ungodly. And you justify the ungodly. Abraham knew that the Messiah was coming and that God, through the work of the Messiah, would pay for sin, purchase perfect righteousness, and so that God would mercifully count Abraham's undeserving faith as perfect righteousness because of what Jesus would do. And so Abraham was not trying to earn righteousness by his obedience, Abraham was trusting that God counts ungodly people righteous who trust him. Abraham saw that he was ungodly. He put his trust in what God would do through the Messiah, and God counted him as perfectly righteous. It's powerful. Underline, highlight, think about, sear into your memory that word, God justifies the ungodly. That's the best news in the whole world. If you think, well, that's good for those people, you're not getting it. We are all ungodly. We've all been ungodly. We all need righteousness from a God who justifies the ungodly. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, God justifies the ungodly. Abraham was ungodly, and God justified him because of what Jesus would do on the cross. Now, just one little note here. That does not mean that Abraham stayed ungodly. Okay? At this moment, he's just trusting. It's all he's doing. And, and God just counts righteous this ungodly man who's just trusting 
forgive me, justify me, look at how wicked I am, I need you. And God does that because of Jesus. Does that mean Abraham stays ungodly? No. Because whenever God counts someone righteous, the word for that is called justification. Whenever God justifies someone who's unrighteous, whenever somebody is trusting him and God justifies that ungodly person, at the same time, God immediately pours out his Holy Spirit upon that person. And the Holy Spirit starts to change our hearts at that moment. Remember, he gives us such joy in God, such pleasure in beholding God's love and his nearness and his beauty, such delight in fellowshipping with God that sin's temptations lose their power. Sin's saying, joy is here, joy is here. But when you have the greatest joy in the universe, just sucks the life out of those temptations. They just cannot compete with the joy there is in knowing God. And so as God pours his Holy Spirit out upon us, we ungodly people start to become more and more godly. More and more godly. We don't become perfectly godly until heaven, but we will become more and more and more godly all the way to heaven. So God justifies the ungodly, and as soon as that happened, the Holy Spirit starts to sanctify us ungodly people, so we start to become godly. So, do ungodly people who are justified stay ungodly? Okay, we worked on this last week a little bit. I heard one no. Everybody else says, do you want to get the answer wrong? I get it. The answer is no. Okay, so... Do, do ungodly people who are justified stay ungodly? No, they do not. Every single one receives the work of the Holy Spirit who starts to sanctify them. But do they need to be sanctified in any way to get justified? No! They are ungodly. All they're doing is just saying, I'm ungodly. I'm a wicked man. I trust you through what you're going to do through the Messiah. Count it perfectly righteous. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and on the basis of that perfect righteousness that we already have, then we start obeying, becoming more and more godly. It's beautiful, friends. This is freedom here. This is the best news in the whole world. Let's fill Abu Dhabi with this good news. What did Abraham gain? Righteousness before God as an ungodly man, like we all are, like we all have been. I should say, like we all have been. What did Abraham gain? Abraham gained perfect righteousness by faith alone. That's the first 50-carat diamond. You feel that? And there's a second diamond. To see what that diamond is, let's ask, what does perfect righteousness bring us? Paul wants to tell us something it brings us. It brings us lots of different things. I mentioned it brings us, we start to become sanctified, we start to become godly, yes, but there's something else that Paul mentions here. Look at what he says in verses 6 through 8, and notice what word is repeated three times, okay? Verse 6, just as David, King David, Old Testament, wrote many of the Psalms, just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Here's the Psalm, Psalm 31, 1 and 2. 
which Anish read for us earlier, and Lynn read for us too. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. The word that's repeated three times is blessed or blessing. Okay, I put them all together three times. Same root word, blessed there. Now, I, I wanted to look this word up in the original language, in the Greek, to, to see if I was right in what I was thinking. Here's the definition this Greek, New Testament Greek dictionary gave me. Blessed means having transcendent happiness or religious spiritual joy. I know we don't like to use the word religious too often, but spiritual is what it's being talked about here. Having transcendent, which means above everything else, more than anything else, transcendent, lofty, powerful happiness, trans, uh, spiritual, religious joy. That's the blessing that Abraham gained as a result of being counted perfectly righteous. That's the blessing that David is speaking about here. How often do you experience transcendent happiness and religious joy like is being described here? How often do you experience that? Well, what, what gives David, as he's writing this psalm, what gives this blessing? Look again at verse 6. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Who gets this blessing? Everyone whom God counts righteous apart from works. It doesn't come to those who try to work and merit righteousness. It comes to those who are counted righteous apart from works, by faith in Christ alone. When we trust what God promises to do for us in Jesus, turn our hearts, we trust, trust you, Jesus, all that God promises to do through you, I trust you. Then God mercifully counts my undeserving faith as perfect righteousness. Stunning. It's breathtaking. So at that moment, I, you, we know we are standing before God as perfectly righteous, loved by God, delighted in by God, accepted by God. Are we perfect? Far from it. We're clothed with Jesus' perfect righteousness. The blessing to whom, uh, of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. And then look at verses 7 and 8 again. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds. Think of all your lawless deeds. Are you aware that your life has been full of lawless deeds? Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. Never let this become old. Never let this make you yawn. This is amazing. When you are standing before 
God, when Jesus returns, he's, Jesus is the judge. When you're standing before him, you will be thrilled at these truths. Thrilled. You will not fear. My dad's health is declining. I've been praying for him today. He's having some struggles right now. And just, oh Lord, that I know my dad can be completely free from fear of death because he's trusting Christ. Oh, these truths are precious. If these truths are boring to you, then do some deep digging this week. Let them become alive to you so that you experience this blessing. Understand, when we trust God, when we trust what God has promised in Jesus, when, when we approach God by faith and not by works, we can be 100% certain that all our lawless deeds are forgiven. And all our sins are covered. And none of our sins will ever be counted against us. None of them. What happens when you are standing before God and you know that you are completely forgiven? All your lawless deeds are forgiven. Your sins are covered. Not one sin's ever going to be counted against you, past, present, or future. Joy. Joy. Freedom. You're my creator. You've forgiven me. You love me. I'm your son. I'm your daughter by adoption. I have all of your promises true for me now and forever. No condemnation, just like Akin prayed about us earlier. Only your love and your joy and your peace forever. Joy, delight, peace. I thought about what Charles Spurgeon said about when he first experienced this. Charles Spurgeon was a preacher in London, 1800s. Here's what happened when he put his trust in Christ. I've shared this before, but it just fits so perfectly right here. I had to share it again. He says, I confess that I never was satisfied till I came to Christ. The joy of that day was indescribable. I could have leaped. I could have danced. I had passed from darkness into marvelous light, from death to life. Home, friends, health, wealth, comforts, all lost their attraction that day when he appeared. When he appeared, he was the only Lord, and giver of life's best bliss, the one well of living water springing up unto everlasting life. He could have leaped. He could have danced. All his lawless deeds forgiven. All his sins covered. None of his sins ever counted against him. Joy. How blessed is the one who's justified by faith and doesn't try to be justified by works. So we've seen two diamonds so far here. First diamond, Abraham gained perfect righteousness before God by faith alone. Second diamond, perfect righteousness brings us the heart-filling joy of God, the heart-filling joy of knowing God, of God himself. 
that comes to us as a result of perfect righteousness. One more diamond. It's 50 carats. It's a big one. Paul shows us this diamond by answering this question. Is this blessing only for those who are circumcised? Is this blessing only for those who are circumcised? This is an important question. Here's why. We know that all the children of Abraham who put their trust in God like Abraham did were righteous by faith. We know that. And we know that all the children of Abraham were circumcised. Hmm. So that raises the question. Okay, so was this blessing only for those who were circumcised? Is that an essential part of this? And look at what Paul says, starting in verse 9. Is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. Excuse me. How then was it counted to him? How was his faith counted to him as righteousness? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after, but before he was circumcised. Paul says it's crucial to note what came before and what came after. Did God count Abraham's faith as perfect righteousness before he was circumcised or after he was circumcised? Paul tells us right there in verse 10, it was not after, but before he was circumcised. God counted Abraham's faith as perfect righteousness in Genesis 15. Actually, all the way back to Genesis 12, which is when Abraham started trusting, but it's explicitly mentioned in Genesis 15, 6. That's when God counted Abraham's faith as perfect righteousness, Genesis 15. Two chapters later, Genesis 17, was when Abraham was circumcised. First, Abraham was justified by faith. Later, Abraham was circumcised. And Paul says that is of crucial importance. The timing of this was not coincidence. God planned this. First, Abraham will be justified by faith. Then, two chapters later, Abraham will be circumcised. Because that, is a, that makes circumcision into a sign. It's a sign. That's what Paul says in verse 11. Now, think about a sign. A sign points to something. And Paul says that the timing of circumcision makes it a sign pointing to a crucial truth. What is that crucial truth? Look at verse 11. He, Abraham, received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, that's us, Gentiles, that righteousness would be counted to them as well, and to make him the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. The fact that Abraham was justified by faith alone before he was circumcised 
makes him the father of the uncircumcised and of the circumcised who have faith, who believe. So this is a message to Gentiles. That's us. Maybe some of you are Jewish, but this, this, let's assume most of us are Gentiles. This is a message to us Gentiles. We don't need to be circumcised to be counted perfectly righteous before God. We are counted perfectly righteous before God by faith alone. Message to us from the timing of Abraham's justification and his circumcision. It's also a message to the Jews, a very important message, which the Pharisees, most of them, did not pay heed to. The message is, it's not circumcision that makes you perfectly righteous. The only way to be counted perfectly righteous by God is through faith alone, just like Abraham was justified, declared perfectly righteous by faith alone before he was circumcised. That's the third diamond. This blessing is for everyone who has faith, Jew or Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised. This blessing is for everyone who is trusting, trusting what God has promised in Jesus Christ. It's for everyone who trusts. Are you trusting? Now, let's ask the question, what does this mean for us? I want you to think about two questions. <clears throat> First, nothing more important. Are you perfectly righteous before God tonight? Are you? There's only one way to become counted perfectly righteous before God. And that is by trusting, by faith alone, trusting what God has promised to do through Jesus. So some of you maybe are not righteous before God right now. And you either are or you're not. It's not like, well, sort of, or I hope so, or almost. No, you either are or you're not. But you all could be perfectly righteous before God tonight by trusting what God has promised to do for us in Jesus. So right now, if you aren't sure if you're righteous before God, right now, turn to Jesus and trust him to be your savior. You need a savior. You've sinned. You're facing God's judgment. You need a savior. You can't save yourself. You need a savior. He's the savior. Trust him to save you. I have nothing to recommend me to you. I have nothing to bring except for my sin. I'm, un I'm ungodly just like Abraham was, but I trust you, Jesus, to be my savior. I trust you to be my Lord. I trust your love for me, your wisdom for me, what you tell me to do. I trust you. Help me to trust you. Help me to obey. I'm, 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 I'm not very strong, but I trust you to help me. He will be your Lord. And trust him to be your all-satisfying treasure. You will fill me with the joy of knowing you, and that joy is far better than any other joy the world has to offer. Trust Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, as your treasure. Instantly righteous, counted righteous before God. Lawless deeds forgiven. All your sins covered. No sin will ever be held against you. Righteous by faith alone. Trust Christ. See him, what he's done. 
his love for you. God sending him to be the Savior. Trust him. Are you perfectly righteous before God? Second question, last question. Do you experience the blessing that comes from being perfectly righteous before God? You are trusting Christ. You are righteous before God by faith, not by works. Do you experience the blessing that David talks about? Do you experience that? Now, I think that, that God especially wants to speak to some of us with this question tonight. How long has it been since you have been filled with joy in your forgiveness, in the fact that you know God, that you have God as your Father? How long has it been since that has filled your heart to overflowing with joy? How long has that been? Blessed is the one who's justified, who's righteous by faith without works. Are you experiencing that blessing? This is the greatest joy that any human being can ever know. Don't miss it. Don't forget about it. Don't start pursuing other joys which you think are going to satisfy you more. This is the greatest joy. It's in knowing God through Jesus, justified, righteous. So let me, if it's been a long time for you, let me encourage you to do this this week. Take some time this week. Put everything else aside. Open up your Bible to Romans 4, 1 through 12. Pray and ask God, help me see afresh that I've, I've been a sinner, that I've been ungodly, that I've had lawless deeds, that I've had sins. Help me to see that afresh. And help me to see the cross afresh. Show me Jesus in new ways. Show me the wonder of righteousness by faith alone. Show me the beauty of lawless deeds being forgiven. Show me the joy of never having any of my sins counted against me. Show me the wonder of being loved by you, known by you, that you delight in us because of Jesus, that you are rejoicing over us to do us good. As you come before the Lord, open up the scriptures, ask for him to pour his spirit out upon you, ask for him to show you Jesus more clearly and to fill you with the joy of knowing him. As you do that, he will. He will. If you seek me, you will find me. Come to me, believe in me, Jesus says. All your heart hungers and thirsts will be satisfied. He will fill you. You'll have a fresh taste of that blessing that Spurgeon talked about, where he could have leaped. He could have danced. We are declared completely righteous because of Jesus, by faith alone. Let's stand together. Use your word right now, Father, to let people feel the weight of their sin if they're not yet trusting Christ, to feel that weight. Don't let them distract themselves with what they're going to do later on tonight or what's happening tomorrow, but Lord, let them see the reality of sin, the prospect of judgment forever, and the truth of the cross, and that you justify the ungodly because of Jesus. Oh Lord, and right now, let there be 
faith birthed in many hearts. Grant it, Lord. And Lord, for those of us who have been trusting Christ, but for various reasons, it's been a long time since we have met you in this afresh, for we have been filled and rejoicing and thankful and delighting and weeping before you and knowing that we're forgiven and the wonder of that, Lord, pour that out upon Grace Church afresh, we pray, all of us, especially those for whom it's been a long time, pour that blessing out upon us so that we will fill Abu Dhabi with this good news of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.